Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Welcome to Pancreas Pals, Emily here, and this week I am so excited to speak with Lauren Cox. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, thank you for having me. So for those who don't already follow Lauren, but I'm sure plenty of you do, Lauren is at Lauren underscore Cox 15 on Instagram, and she is a basketball player. Um, Lauren, do you want to share like real quick before we delve into all your diabetes stuff, what, you know, how, like, what do you play for people who aren't familiar with you? (laughs) Um, yeah, so I have been playing basketball pretty much my whole life. Um, got started at a young age. I went to Baylor University to play, um, won a national championship there. Then I went on to play in the WNBA for about a season and a half. Um, after that, I came over to Europe and I've played for about a season and a half in Spain, which is where I am currently. Amazing. So actually, that's I love Spain. My boyfriend and I just got back from there like two months ago, three months ago. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Love Spain. Uh, so I basically we, we tend to start these things off just by the beginning of our diabetes journeys, our diagnosis stories. So now that we know you play basketball and you're overseas, which I have plenty of questions about that and managing type one. <laughs> but let's start with how you found out you were type one. So I was seven years old and I was running summer track at the time and I kind of went from winning most of my races to losing a lot of them. So my parents were like, okay, this isn't the Lauren we know, something's up. Um, So they took me in to get some tests done. Um, I was also drinking a lot of water, going to the bathroom a lot. And as we know, those are symptoms of a high blood sugar So the results came back, and I was actually at my sister's soccer practice eating a Pop-Tart, of all things. Um, So got the results back. My parents rushed me to the hospital. Um, As a seven-year-old kid, I was scared. I didn't know what what was going on. I got to the emergency room. They started sticking me with needles, drawing my blood, everything. I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah, that's an all too familiar story. But seven is an awkward time because you're aware of what's happening to you, right? So like, do you have any memories of specifically being young and like your first shot or anything like that? The one memory that I do really remember is actually kind of a happy memory. Um, (laughs) The Children's Children's Hospital um, in Dallas had this train station kind of set up like it was this little model train set and it was it was huge um it was really cool we would walk by that pretty much every day because I was just so amused by it um so that is my one of my main memories from that time which I guess is a good thing yeah that is good I uh something we talk about a lot on the podcast is I was actually diagnosed when I was 20 years old so I was uh pretty late in life coming up on my ninth anniversary soon my birthday's next week so oh, unfortunately wow. Happy getting early birthday. 
thank you. But the closer <laughs> you get to 30, the less fun it is. I'm sure I have plenty of listeners who are going to read me out for that because we have a lot of people over 30. So we're all effervescent. But that, you know, the story of parents finding out kind of really is something that is very common, right? Because most people are diagnosed, or at least used to be, most people are diagnosed at a younger age. So did you find that, was there a time when you started taking on your own care as opposed to your parents dosing you and things like that? Um, I can't remember a specific time or age when I kind of took it over. Um, But really all throughout middle school, high school, everything, we kind of worked as a team. Um, Once I got older, obviously I was giving myself my own shots, changing my infusion sets, um, checking my own blood sugar. But my parents were with me the whole way. I mean, they there are countless nights where they woke up in the middle of the night just to come and check on me. Maybe it was after a game and they knew I was going to crash with a low blood sugar. Um, so it wasn't really until I went off to college where I was kind of on my own. And even then I wasn't on my own because I had a great training staff at Baylor, uh, great doctors that really helped me out. That's awesome. So mentioning crashing after a game what what's it like I guess you're probably going through puberty and dealing with type one and you know being very athletic I can't imagine what that was like what kind of um did you use multiple daily injections at that point or an insulin pump can you talk about how you managed being so active and going through that time in your life together I think I got on an insulin pump as soon as I could, just because I didn't like having to give myself all of those injections every day. Um, I can't remember what age I got on the insulin pump. Um, I just know it made life a whole lot easier where I wasn't having to take a shot every morning, every meal, every night. Um, And then once I got to college is when I started with the Medtronic insulin pumps, um, I think it was my sophomore year. Uh, I'm currently on the Minimed 770G. And for me, it's just made it a lot easier because it's that closed loop system that works with my CGM. And I can kind of just let it do its thing during games and not have to worry about that aspect of it and just focus on my play. Have you ever had anything knocked off during a game? That would be like my biggest fear. (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't say knocked off, but I, I, so I wear my insulin pump during games and I keep it in the side of my sports bra, kind of under my arm. So it has gotten bumped and knocked out of my sports bra. So I have run down the court with my pump kind of dangling out of my (laughs) shirt. Um, (laughs) But never, nothing has ever been actually ripped off. I usually have enough stuff covering it where it won't get ripped off. Are there any regulations like for you wearing your pump during a game to protect you from something like that? I usually, so my actual infusion set for my pump, it is kind of on my hip. So my shorts cover that. Um, My CGM, I wear it on my upper arm. So I usually have tape over that. And then for games, I usually wrap it with pre-wrap and then flex wrap so that it can get bumped, it can be it get it can get hit, whatever, and it's not gonna fall off. Gotcha. So 
like specifically I'm thinking of your time in the WNBA were I mean I don't know of any other type one or type two diabetics in the WNBA were you did you know of any is that a thing I I was actually the first <laughs> uh, WNBA right. player <laughs> that's kind of how um, I was trying to get you to say that but then I realized yeah. you kind of <laughs> set that up so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I am the first uh, to play in the WNBA. Um, hopefully, there will be more in the future, and hopefully, they will see me playing in the WNBA, playing overseas, and um, follow that dream if they have it as well. That's so interesting. And how how did you manage your blood sugar aside from you know being on a closed loop system? Did you and for those who don't know, a closed loop system integrates your continuous glucose monitor, that's your CGM readings with your insulin pump, and it kind of makes decisions for you and will lessen or give you more insulin based off of the readings from your CGM. So it's super cool and high tech, and um, it's, it's, we all love a good loop system. Uh, Medtronic <laughs> is a tubed pump, if those listening are trying to visualize, but it's kind of easy to tell based off of how Lauren explained how she had to have her infusion site, which is the part that is stuck on you where the insulin drips in um, on her like waistband slash stomach. I think you said this is a test of my reading comprehension, except listening comprehension. <laughs> so back to my initial question before I went on um, on a little dictionary quest. How did you did you have like a banana and not give yourself any insulin for it? How did you go about that? Or was it completely control IQ or not control IQ? What's Medtronic's version? Just loop? Uh, auto mode. Auto I would mode, say. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I try to start games as low as possible. Um, as crazy as that sounds. Um, even as low as 70 or 80 because I know during games with my adrenaline, I'm going to go up. Um, so I do try to start as low as possible. So I try not to eat anything probably two hours before the game. Um, and I usually I don't have any issues with actually going low before the game. Um, and then during the game, like I said, my adrenaline is pumping. It's a exciting game, exciting environment. There's a lot of factors going into it that can affect my blood sugar um, so that I, so I know it's going to rise. Um, but knowing that and knowing that my pump is going to give me a little bit of insulin here and there to try to even that out and manage it, it helps me to play a lot more relaxed and not worry about that. That makes a lot of sense. Did you have the same method when you were in high school in middle school? Yeah, I've had that method for as long as I can remember. Um, it usually doesn't happen if it's more of a low-key type of game where <laughs> we may or may not know that we're going to win by a lot and there's not a lot at stake. Um, so those are more calm games where maybe I don't go as high. Um, but for as long as I can remember, I'm super competitive and I want to win. So a lot of times, whatever level it is, high school, college, professional, I know that's what my blood sugar is going to do. What about practices when the stakes aren't very high? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually the opposite. So I 
I try to start it at a a decent number. Um, and on my insulin pump, there's a feature that it's called um, target blood sugar. So I can set it where my CGM tries to keep my number at 150. So around it'll try to keep it in that range for two hours, an hour, whatever I set it to. So I use that a lot during practice. And do you start it ahead of practice so you're closer to that when you begin? It depends on where I start. Um, If I'm maybe it's a morning practice and I'm a little higher from whatever I ate that morning, maybe I don't start it until 30 minutes before practice or 30 minutes into practice when maybe my blood sugar is showing the arrows that it's going down. Um, So it just kind of depends on what I start at. Can you remind me, sorry, if this is like just hitting you with a million questions, but (laughs) is it the Guardian sensor that the Medtronic uses? I can't remember the name of this. Yes. Glucose monitor. Okay. And that one can show you if it's like three arrows down, right? Yeah. So it's one, two or three arrows. That gives me so much anxiety whenever I see (laughs) two arrows down. I'm like panicking. I can't imagine having three. Um, but you had like briefly touched on this earlier. I'm curious how your blood sugars run for hours later, because I know after an intense workout or a game, um, I know you mentioned when you have a game, obviously you're less stressed once you know the outcome, I'm assuming. So do you see any changes in that, in blood sugar then? Yeah, so I usually crash. Um usually starting at three or four hours post-game. Um, so sometimes if we have a 8 o'clock game at home, I mean, three, four hours later, that's 1 a.m., 2 a.m., uh, whatever time it is. So a lot of times, whatever I eat after the game, sometimes I don't take any insulin for it, um, whether it's 50 carbs, 80 carbs, whatever it is. I know that my blood sugar is going to drop, so I usually don't correct for that. That's wild. I mean, maybe I should just be more active, but <laughs> I'm like, I'd be just stuffing my face with pizza like at all times. Um, but you mentioned that you went from, let's like sideline diabetes for a hot second because you're more than just your chronic illness, right? So (laughs) that's what I tell myself every day. So when you were doing basketball growing up, is that something you always wanted to do? I was playing all kinds of sports. So basketball, volleyball, running track, soccer. Um, I tried softball or t-ball at one point. Um, so I was just super active when I was younger. I don't think it was until maybe my sophomore year of high school that I really picked basketball because I played basketball and volleyball all four years of high school. And at one point I even wanted to try to play both in college. Um, but I just decided probably after my sophomore year that I wanted to focus on basketball. I mean, I think everyone knows that you're tall if you play basketball and if you were in the WNBA, (laughs) but to want to play basketball and volleyball, I feel like height is just such a big part of both of those. Can I ask how tall you are? Is that weird? I can go. (laughs) I'm six, four. (laughs) Yeah. So you're almost a foot taller than me. Um, And 
I just even, I don't know, I can't imagine that. But being so active and having, you know, I'm going to completely shift gears because I was trying to make a bridge that I don't think is going to happen. But <laughs> let's talk about shifting from the WNBA to Europe. Um, there's so many things there that I'd love to, to discuss. You know, you've got nationalized health care, depending on what country you're in. Spoiler alert, most countries over there have nationalized health care. Uh, and that means a completely adjusted way of getting prescriptions, of getting of paying for things, of getting diagnoses if, you know, God forbid there's more to be had these days. Um, so what was your biggest, what was the first country that you landed in after? Was it Spain? Uh, no, I actually started in Turkey. Um, okay. And I was, I was only there for about a month, um, so it didn't last long. And then I've been in Spain for the past two seasons. Um, I think the biggest challenge is trying to pack enough supplies um, to have. Um, I pack a giant duffel bag and just kind of, I lay it all out on the floor, make sure I have enough, and then just throw it in the duffel bag. Um, I, it, it can be very stressful, but I find that like laying everything out like on a big, big surface where you can just kind of see everything at once, I found, found that that really helps. Um, I also had my parents visit about a week ago and they, they brought more supplies over, brought more insulin over. Um, I don't think that I can get my insulin that I use over here. Um, so I do have to make sure that I have enough to last me the eight months or so that I'm over here. Can I ask what insulin you're using? It's Fiosp. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you like Fiosp? I've always been so intrigued by it. Yeah, I do. Um, I have been using it for a few years now, and I just like that it's super fast acting. And I mean, even if you're 20 minutes into eating and you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot to take my insulin, which everyone does. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> um, it, it acts so fast that you don't have those big spikes. And it's still is like manageable with a pump, you know, having your background insulin, it's not like dropping you randomly. No, I haven't had any issues with that. Yeah. I have a lot of friends here on it and they don't either. So maybe I made that up, but I would just always think <laughs> that that would be a, that would be something that, I don't know. I find the different types of insulin so interesting. Um, there's, I mean, there's inhalable insulin now, which is also supposed to be super fast acting. I've never tried it. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I have enough problems with diabetes. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> add, you know, more unknowns. But so when you were, so you, you don't, obviously you, you're not getting supplies over there if you're, um, you know, if you're using these things that aren't available over there. But how do you how have you found like the healthcare system otherwise because you just do you still see doctors over there do you do anything like that over there um i don't see an endocrinologist over here i actually have virtual visits with one back home um and i can upload everything online so she can still see my graphs my charts everything um, so that's been really helpful. Um, I just feel like 
things maybe aren't as advanced technologically over here um, because sometimes going through customs, especially in Turkey, um, they tried to take my whole bag of supplies and say like, you're, you're not supposed to have this. They asked if I was a doctor. It's like, no, these are for me. They tried to take everything. Um, that happens so also, yeah, not, I have learned, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've learned that I need to have a doctor's note saying, yes, I need to have all of these things. Um, I have my prescriptions that I carry with me. Um, so that has helped. That, I mean, what was that situation like? I would have been in tears. <laughs> I was super scared. I, I was on the verge of tears, not going to lie. Um, especially because of the language barrier. Um, right. I was in a smaller city in Turkey. So it wasn't like in Istanbul where you can find somebody that speaks English. Um, so I had my phone out trying to use Google Translate um, they were like, are you a doctor? I'm like, no, these are for me. I, I need these to live. I, I probably said that 10 to 20 times um, just to put an emphasis on how important this was. Um, like, no, you cannot take this from me. This is my lifeline. So it was really scary. That is so stressful. Ugh. And I mean, nothing <laughs> like that has happened in Spain, right? No, I haven't had any issues in Spain. And you carry your doctor's notes. I feel like it's so important to carry it in the language that you're traveling to also. It's like not enough to just bring it in English. That might that might sound like a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised no, how many times I've forgotten to, to translate it. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's wild. I had a similar situation once in Denmark where which, you know, super friendly country, super friendly people. Mm -hmm. But I they made me check my insulin instead of, like, allowing me to put it in my carry-on. And I was like, that's oh going to ruin my insulin. Um, I was literally in tears. I remember this was eight years ago, like, right after mm -hmm. I'd been diagnosed. So I was already not super aware of, like, what I was allowed and not allowed to do. And then you add oh my gosh. speaking a different language. And then you add, you know having I was studying abroad at the time so I had like months and months of supplies on me as well um because I couldn't get I'm on the Omnipod insulin pump in the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor and um good old-fashioned Humalog and <laughs> you, I just brought all of my supplies with me because I was only going to be in England for six months but I'd gone on a trip also like tacked it on to one of the legs of my study abroad experience, like every other white girl out there studying abroad in London, I <laughs> just did not take into account that I would need, I'd get any questions on diabetes supplies in Denmark and um, very naive of me. But yeah, I just remember going through security and like this really hot TSA agent patting me down. It was a, it was a man. And I was like, I didn't know you're allowed to do that. Like you can have co-ed pat downs in Denmark. And I was just like sobbing because they made me check my insulin. Oh my and he was like, did I hurt you? <laughs> What's going on? I just remember so vividly that entire, I mean, mine was much funnier and I got through with all my stuff and it was a lot lower stakes than yours, but it's wild how stressful it can all be. And I mean, looking back now, we can both like kind of laugh at it, but also soft sob yeah. inside. It's just, it's stressful. But have you found yourself feeling like a pro packing all of your supplies now? 
Now a word from one of our sponsors. Hey Christy, have you heard of US Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website. And now back to the episode. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I've done it a few times now, so... I think, yeah, I, I've got my system down, like I said, where I lay everything out. out. Um, so yeah, I think I've got it down now. Do you have any like special bags that you like or ways that you organize it? All of your different things. (laughs) Um, this is very unorganized actually. Um, I have a big duffel bag and I kind of just take everything out of the boxes and throw it all in the duffel bag. Um, So it's kind of just this big mix of all my supplies together. Um, But when I lay it out and everything, it is organized. It's, it's in groups, uh, separated. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, when, when I know that I have everything, I kind of just scoop it up and throw it in the bag. And do you come back to the U.S. a lot? Or is this like, I'm just so intrigued by the whole um, have you met Rob Howe? I have, yes. Yeah, so I've done a few episodes with him like earlier on in the podcast. We're on season nine, I think now. So oh, it was wow. quite a few seasons ago. Um, <laughs> but he was explaining to me similar things and he played abroad as well, basketball. So I'm always mm. just so intrigued with how, how how it works. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's... I tried... I pretty much pack all of the supplies that I have. Um, maybe I order my supplies three months at a time. Um, so maybe I have a few things um, from the last three month shipment, a um, few extras. This time I had to call like my insurance and explain my situation, um, telling them I was going to go overseas. I was going to be gone for eight months. I wasn't coming back. Um, so I was able to get an extra shipment of supplies and an extra shipment of my insulin just to make sure I had enough of everything. And then I knew my parents were going to come over at some point. So I ordered another three months when it was time and when it was available. And then they brought those supplies over um, a week ago. You have it all ironed out. I mean, (laughs) they, they let me order extra when I was going abroad too, but I don't know. It feels very privileged because a lot of insurance companies or people who can't even afford insurance or have access to it, you know, it's kind of like, what are you going to do? You can't even get one month. And then here I am rolling up with like seven months worth of equipment (laughs) and everything. So I don't know. It's always very humbling and I don't know the proper word, but it's. Yeah, for sure. The U.S. versus Europe, very different. I mean, they when I again when I was there this was quite a 
a long time ago initially, but even this last time when I was in Spain a couple of months ago, they had never seen, the TSA agents at least, had never seen an Omnipod before. So yeah. you just, you know, gotta, gotta introduce it to people. And have you <laughs> learned how to speak Spanish while you're over there with, about your diabetes at all? Um, I don't think that I've ever had to use Spanish with about diabetes. Um, I know enough Spanish to, you know, get me around. Um, usually when they're talking about basketball, I can understand most of it. Um, but I, I've never had to use my Spanish for my diabetes. Uh, luckily, yeah, I, you're I haven't half had there. any. Knock on wood. Yeah. That's so impressive. <laughs> right. <laughs> haven't had any doctor, hospital, anything visits, like you said, knock on wood. Um, Let's not so you. <laughs> hopefully it stays that way. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, how has your Spanish been otherwise? You said you can like get around. What city are you in, by the way? I'm in Valencia. Oh my God, I was in Valencia. Really? <laughs> that's hysterical, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. My boyfriend crazy. studied abroad in um, Seville. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to go and I'd been to Barcelona and uh, Madrid and like a couple of other mm-hmm. cities before when I was studying abroad all that time ago. So we were trying to find like the cities that we hadn't been to in Spain because yeah. we wanted to go back post slash during COVID because COVID will never end. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Valencia is so gorgeous. They have um, Agua de Valencia my favorite mm-hmm. drink, um, <laughs> which have you had it? Obviously you live there. I, well, actually I haven't had it. Um, I, <laughs> I, I need to try it though. Um, my, when my mom was here, um, last week she tried it. Um, she said she's not a very big orange person, okay. so she didn't really like it. Um, but yeah, I'll have to try it. I, but I have heard of it. I know what it is. I'm originally from Florida, so it felt like something I needed to do. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, For those who aren't aware, because, like, why would you know unless you're familiar with Valencia? It is a cocktail that involves fresh squeezed orange juice, um, usually gin or vodka. If you're getting a pitcher, sometimes both gin and vodka. And I think some kind of Sprite or seltzer situation. It's really good. And because Mm -hmm. of the OJ in there, I really didn't need to give myself, like, you know, instead of dropping like it's hot a couple hours later, I pretty much <laughs> maintained um, good shugs throughout that. So, but one thing I did not nail was paella. I could not figure that out with my blood sugar. Yeah, um, it can be tough, especially because I, I don't know if you ate it this way, but the traditional way to eat it is just to leave the big thing in the middle and you just eat out of it you don't really put it on your plates so you don't know if you're having a cup two cups you don't know you don't really know how much you're eating so yeah you gotta completely guess on that rice already gives me enough trouble like (laughs) I haven't had two sushi rolls in the longest time because having more than one just sends my blood sugar into like a spiral of oh my gosh but um I know I love sushi I need to try and get back on it it's just I hate the whole trial and error of it. Right. That seems like like with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I always try new things, but I always pair it with like a fat and protein to like, you know, make sure I'm okay. But with with (laughs) rice, it's no matter how much fat and protein I add, it does not calm down. Yeah. Um, Does the Medtronic have 
fe- it has features, right, for um, like setting temp basils. Like you mentioned, you can have higher targets. But when mm-hmm. it's in auto mode, is it, you know, making adjustments on your, I guess, basils? So when it's in auto mode, I technically don't have a basal rate um, because it just keeps it in whatever range I have in my settings. It just it keeps it in that range. So maybe some days I'll need more insulin than other days. Um, Sometimes I'll need less. Just depends on what my blood sugar decides to do that day. So it's kind of like microdosing you with insulin, right? Even though that's what yes. So for those who don't know, basal insulin is when you're on an insulin pump. It's the background insulin um, that is given to you every hour. The amount, the dose that you need to maintain a an ideal blood sugar range. Um, and then bolus is what we say to when you eat or when you're fixing your blood sugar, trying to get it back to a certain amount. So that's the additional insulin that you're giving for eating and other things or adrenaline. Um, <laughs> I have that happen once, like the only time in my life. I can't remember what the situation <laughs> was, but I remember shooting up to like 250. I was like, I think like 80. And then all of a sudden I shot up within like 30 minutes of the stressful situation. I was like, I can't believe I yes. had to bolus for like literally my emotions right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, for nothing. <laughs> I, it's, it's cruel, but you get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. All right, Lauren, thanks for letting me chat your ear off. This has been very interesting. Um, wait, so can you, one last thing, if people want to cheer you on, what's your schedule like with basketball? How can people watch your games, even if they can, question mark? And what's the name of your team? <laughs> so my team is called Valencia Basket Club um, here in Valencia, Spain. Um, we play in two leagues. So we play in the Spanish League and the Euro League. So... Some of the Spanish league games um, aren't available because you actually have to be in Spain to watch them. Um, but my EuroLeague games are always on YouTube. And if you just look up EuroLeague women, you can find all of the games. You can watch past games. You can watch the live games. Um, we play EuroLeague games on Wednesdays, um, usually 8 o'clock here. So that's around 12, 1-ish back home. Awesome. And you guys can follow Lauren again on Instagram at Lauren underscore Cox, C-O-X 15. Um, she posts cool basketball things and like, <laughs> like a badass out there on the court. You can follow <laughs> us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals. You can hit us up on Facebook, pancreas pals PP. You can email us at pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. This is it for this season. So thank you so much for uh, ending the season with, I'm trying to think of a fun basketball pun, but it's just not coming to me. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to think of one. We, we ended it with a slam dunk. There it is. Boom. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it just, it, it sounds better when you know what you're talking about. So I wouldn't know. <laughs> All right, Lauren, thank you so much. I really appreciate it and have a great season and a great rest of your week. Thank you. Today's episode was brought to you by U.S. Med Supply. Thanks for listening. Hey, Christy, have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? 
Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website.